So this morning we are going to continue with our Simply series. We have been doing the Simply Prayer and uh, God has been speaking to us through that. And also I'm very encouraged by the way that we have dealt with a week of prayer uh, last week and things that people have prayed for and things that have been really spaces to listen to God and to hear what he has to say to his church and moments um, that we have really enjoyed being in one another's companies. I've really appreciated also the response that I had uh, to those of you who got a text or an email this week. And um, it's, it's great that we're able to, to journey together. And uh, it's, it's good that I'm able also to minister in a way that I know what I can pray for you specifically and stuff. So it's been, it's, been, it's been really encouraging to see that. If you feel bad that you have not replied to me, this is not the time for you to tell you off. You still have got time because I don't only pray for you once a year. I'd like to pray for you continually. Because I think the purpose of this prayer week as well is that we do not become a church that we show that we pray once a, week, once a year and we tick the box. And it's not that we've got a prayer week as an add-on to our life as a church. But the vision and the prayer and the passion is that we become a prayerful church. And this is become, becomes part of our life, becomes part of our energy. That we constantly show our reliance, our dependence on God. Whether it's for our work, whether it's for our families, whether it's for things that are really bothering us, whether it's for praises... Anything, I think I'd love for us to, to move into that direction that we, we acknowledge the fact that we are so dependent on God. So, well done, Cairns. Well done. Um, this morning we're doing, well, we're starting a series on called Simply Jesus. And we're going to be looking at different elements of Jesus' life and ministry before we move to the Holy Week. So we've got five weeks and you're going to have five different uh, voices to talk about different things. But I wanted to start the Simply Jesus series with the, the miraculous side of Jesus' ministry and the way that he dealt with, with people. We're going to be looking at a well-known passage uh, in Luke chapter 18, verses 35 to 43. And you know this, I love if somebody reads the passage for me. So Luke chapter 18, verses 35 to 43. Mark, thank you. A blind beggar receives his sight. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. 
When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Thank you, Father God, for your word. And my prayer, Lord, this morning is that in the familiar, we will find you and who you are afresh. Would you reveal yourself afresh to us this morning through the power of your word and your spirit? Your name be blessed forever and ever. Amen. So here we've got Jesus who is entering a city of Jericho. And the crowds in their busyness, in their noise, in their loudness, in their carelessness, they're just plodding on with Jesus. And in the picture we've got someone who is doing his mundane, normal routine of begging for money. The Gospel of Luke doesn't tell us who he is, but if we read other Gospels, we, we, we know that perhaps it has to do with Bartimaeus. But we've got this city of, palm, of palms, city of Jericho, and the guy hears the crowds, and perhaps it's, it's this unfamiliar noise, because normally the city is not that noisy, and he says, what's going on? And they told him, for those who had time to bother to answer his reply, Jesus the Nazarene has come to Jericho. And his immediate response is, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then he gets told off because The Saviour, the Lord, had better things to do. But in his despair, in his his mundane things, he's not begging Jesus for money. So he he decides to go one more time. Luke makes sure he, he tells and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. And he orders the people to bring the men to him. And he says... What do you want me to do for you? And he goes, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Fantastic story. Let's think a little bit about Jericho. Now, if we look at Jericho as a city, from the Old Testament, we know from the book of Joshua that was one of the first cities to be invaded for people to go into the promised land. But also one thing that we can easily miss from the book of Joshua is that in Joshua chapter 6, I believe, Joshua cursed the city of Jericho. 
And ever since, you can see the history, even from Second Samuel and so forth, if you go to, to, to your Bible concordance and you put the name Jericho, you can see that actually the city has not picked up. The walls have never been rebuilt. Herod tries to do things with it. And again, the Old Testament prophets have tried to do things. But it has never picked up in that sense. But Jesus decides to go and show his grace into a cursed city. Isn't that what the gospel does? Isn't that what the gospel does? That it becomes good news. And we see that it becomes good news because we see how the story develops in Luke chapter 19 when you've got Zacchaeus who also responds to the gospel. But we've got the city who is a mess. And Jesus decides to go through the city. And we've got this guy, the blind man, who's doing his normal thing. But also we've got the people of the city who perhaps are used to the demands of the beggar. Now, I come from a country where beggars are everywhere. And you come to the point in your life that you get to know them, not only by face, but sometimes even by name. You come to the point of their life that actually they know you as well, and they know whether you give them money or not, or give them something. So, so they create this, this interesting rapport with you, that if, you, if you've given them money once, they know that they can come and try out again. They know that they can come again and again. So they, they form this habit. Now, I just want to, to put my shoes on the blind men position, he was, he was really, he was really in this, in this state of being desperate for money. Because again, the blinds of the Old and the New Testament time, they were quite isolate, quite marginalized, nobody cared about them. Until the point Jesus comes into the picture. Until the point that the scriptures say to us, Jesus stopped. The people, the people are a bit funny in this story. Because they're the crowds that are following Jesus, but also they're the crowds who are telling the blind men off. And if you look at the people of Jericho and you extend the story a little bit to the story of Zacchaeus, those were the people who mumbled because Jesus had gone to have a meal with a tax collector. This blind man, Jesus, or son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I just wanted to extend that application this morning to us. The first thing that I think that is very easy for us to get restrained from is the obstacles. 
So the question that I've got this morning for us is, what is the obstacle that is stopping you to come to Jesus? What is the obstacle that is stopping you to call out on his name? What is the obstacle that is causing you to persevere, to call out on his name and say, Son of David, have mercy for me. The second thing that I wanted to ask this morning, and if you have a look at your um, notice sheet, there is a little square or rectangle in the very end, is I want to apply the same question for you, and I don't want to stop here. If Jesus was to ask you a question this morning, what do you want me to do for you? What would that be? Now, this is a serious question. I know that perhaps some of you feel, oh, I feel a little bit unprepared. You have had time to think. You know, it's, 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 it's a hard question. But I'd really like for us to, to, to think and ponder a little bit about that. That if, if this guy... Bartimaeus or the blind man, call him whatever you want, is in this position that he, Jesus has time for him to stop. And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? I want to extend that question to the congregation, to each and every one of you this morning. What do you want me to do for you, says Jesus? So what we're going to do is, I want to give two or three minutes for us to think And pray and pause about that. And then pray together. Uh, You don't have to share that with the person next to you. Don't worry about it. But again, I want to extend that question. That Jesus is asking the blind man. What do you want me to do for you? Are you okay with that? I think we've got enough pens on on the tables. If you need a pen, just put up your hand. And I will um, bring it to you. But if we can yeah, think and pray a little bit about that for the next two minutes, it will be great. There is going to be an opportunity for us to have some prayer ministry later on for you who think... You should ask somebody else to pray on your behalf or pray for you or pray with you. But also it's good that we mark this moment and we say, Father God, you know our hearts. You know our desires. You know us each as individuals. You call call us by name. So we come to you with our thing that you want us to do for us whether in despair whether in expectation whether in anticipation Lord I don't know what this looks like for other people but this is what I feel like and we pray Lord Jesus that if it's with your will that you fulfill it.
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There is a story that was told about um, three men who got shipwrecked and they landed on an island. And um, on that island they found Ginny in the bottle. And they opened the cork. Ginny came out and said, You have saved me. What can I do for you? So the first man said, I'd love for me to go back to my family in, let's say, New Jersey. And the genie fulfilled their desire. The second person said, I'd love to go back to my family in Bristol. And the genie fulfilled their desire. The third man said, I'm feeling rather lonely. I'd like my friends back. (laughs) Um, And I just really hope that our one thing is not like that. I just hope that we are true and honest to God about what is that thing. And we trust him. For the blind man, he was desperate He wanted his sight back. And he comes to Jesus. And Jesus says. Receive your sight. And the Bible says. Immediately. He received his sight. And followed Jesus. Praising God. Immediately. He received his sight. Praising God and following Jesus. So there is this element of the miraculous. There is this element of the supernatural. There is this element to which actually, for the normal eye, for the normal mundane life, is not normal. And this is what the gospel brings. This is what the transformation of God brings. Because, again, the way that God is going to transmit his his message to this unbelieving generation is by signs and wonders. And I just wonder, as God's church, as God's people, whether we have kind of standardized the supernatural element of God. Because actually it's unnormal to think about miracles because we've got science, we've got medicine, We've got education. We've got everything that we need. Whereas that's not the attitude of the blind man. Lord, I want to receive my sight. And I couldn't care less whether these guys are shutting me up or they don't want me to know you or they don't want me to receive my sight. I couldn't care less. Lord, I know that you can do it. I want to receive my sight. And I just wanted to encourage myself this morning and knew that in the midst of the culture and in the midst of the society where we live is, you know, one of the things that I pray is, God, give me faith for the supernatural. 
Give me faith for the things that actually are unheard of, unthinkable, unacceptable for this day and age. That actually is not the norm for us to pray and we expect that God is going to heal. It's not the norm for us to pray for the city and we see that God has intervened with this. It's not the norm for us to pray because I think, and that's why I say about the prayers that we need to be more expecting on the supernatural side of God because He is God. He is God. So what do you want him to do for this church? What do you want him to do for us as a community of faith? What do you want him to do for cafe? What do you want him to do for preschool? What do you want him to do for senior lunch, which is on Tuesday? What do you want him to do for all the other activities? What do you want him to do for the youth that gathers on a Thursday and on a Friday? What do you want to do? What do you want him to do for our children? What do you want him to do for us adults? And can we trust him for that? Well, I'm a little bit like the centurion. Lord, I believe, but help me on my unbelief. Jenny asked me in the morning, what is your prayer for today? Or what, what is something that you want this day? And I said, I really want for us to be honest with God. And be truthful to what we want him to do. The reaction here is, he receives his sight. And because of what Jesus has done in his life, he wants to follow him. He followed him, praising God. So my second, well, my other question is not second, I think it's third, is what is your testimony? What is your moment that you came to God and you encountered him and he saved you and he he revealed himself to you? What is your testimony that you can look back and say, it's not only about this. It's not only about the little moments but I want to be more expectant about the big moments that we encounter God. And the beauty of this is that when the world, when the society, when that group of people who had just shut him up saw what has happened, when people saw this, they also praised God. And I would love for me, for myself, for us as a church, for our ministries, to be on that position that we are offering transforming things to the community, that when people see that, they can join us in praising God. I want for us to be more open-minded about this, because I think it's very easy for us to sit on our comfort zone. I think it was very easy for the blind man to carry on being blind. But he wanted a change. And he came only to that place to realize that only Jesus could bring that change. And I think it's the same for us. We can sit here on our comfortable chairs every Sunday. We can have a prayer week and tick boxes. 
We can do this and that and that and that. And that's normal. It's okay. It's comfortable. But what do you want me to do? And what are you going to do as a result of what I've done to you? The blind man had faith. He received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. We're going to have some time of worship now. I said, I'm not going to be very long. But I just wanted also to say, as we come to this time of praise and worship, whether you've written a letter or a little piece of um, paper or not, Let's come to this place, because again, I want to extend that invitation again, that Jesus is coming in our midst. We acknowledge his presence in the beginning of the service. And he's still reaching out to us, because he wants to change us, because he wants to transform us. And how are we going to respond to that? Well, my attitude is, Lord, I want to respond to your change. I want to change in such a way that other people notice it so they can come to get to know you and praise you with me.